the way the theremin is played taps into this primal instinct of, you know, I call it the Houdini effect, you know, just waving your hands in the air. There's something about it. But then you play it and it sounds terrible. It's so difficult and almost impossible to master. Um, so you end up a little bit in despair and then to, to pull yourself up again and, and continue the journey. That's why I was also inspired to then develop some kind of curriculum to help other people to you know stick with it and and have fun and, and in, enjoy exploring the instrument and not giving up on it too quickly Welcome to Sonosphere, the podcast that explores the sounds all around us in art and music movements through history. Thanks for joining us. We're your hosts. I'm Amy. And I'm Chris. In this episode of Sonosphere, we highlight master theremin player Dorit Chrysler. She's also the curator of the Theremin 100 compilation celebrating 100 years of the theremin. Chrysler says the tracks were chosen to highlight versatility in style, musicality, technique, and innovation. The album was released on February 8th and is part of the 100th birthday celebration of the theremin. We'll also hear how Chrysler found the magic of the theremin, her influences in music, and how she is working to integrate the theremin and other lesser-known analog and electronic instruments and techniques into music education today. I'm, I'm today and specifically tired because yesterday was a really intense theremin day, actually, yeah. Because um, in the morning I was rehearsing six-piece theremin ensemble for an upcoming performance. And then we were building theremins for five hours with um, a full workshop of people. So it was really cool. But um, yeah. yeah, all the theremins we built ended up working, so that's good. My name is Dorit Chrysler. I play the theremin, I compose music, and I'm also the co-founder of the New York Theremin Society. Um, I'm from Austria. I'm, I was born in Graz, and um, I studied musicology in Vienna, and then I was rebelling against my classical trained uh, background. I was um, already singing as a kid um, in the opera and um, I immigrated to New York to start a rock and roll band and uh, did that for a couple of years. And then um, I encountered a theremin at a friend's house and it was truly love at first sight. Um, it was just an you know, unassuming, 
box standing in a corner with a metal antenna and um, my friend was plugging in a cord and then suddenly the most um, unique, wondrous, strangest sounds immersed, emerged and um, I was really surprised that having studied musicology that I have never heard about this instrument. So what, what was the story of this stepchild of uh, music instruments? So I was digging in and um, the challenge of, I mean, when I heard it the first time, there was an instant um, vision of um, how beautiful and expressive it potentially could sound and that there actually is no electric instrument that has the detail and dynamic that this um, that this instrument offered. You know, maybe only acoustic instruments can do that, electric one that had this dynamic range. So I was instantly taken and fascinated and hence started my long um, journey with the theremin. mastering playing it you know i th think um the theremin is still gravely underestimated as an instrument it is a very young instrument and it's its curse and blessing in a way is that because of its unusual interface it can very easily sound really terrible easier than other instruments and it's extremely hard to play in a melodic musical way. So um, that doesn't help its cause. And um, it's also hard to play, perform live because um, it, it responds to every object, every circuit um, that is in the room. So it's harder to make it work well than um, other instruments if you put it in a live situation. So all of these reasons and the, and the history of, of the instruments um, have a lot of people misconceived about the theremin and think that you know it can only do the sci-fi movie thing or it can only do some woo-woo um, abstract stuff but um, there really is so much more to it
I saw the documentary, um, the, the Theremin documentary, and um, heard Clara Rockmore play. At that time, social media was not um, flooded with um, as many Theremin players as it is now. And um, so there were not many references, but Clara set the bar really high. Yeah, Clara Rockmore, she really is the first female electronic musician um, pioneer. Yeah, one cannot imagine the, the, the reaction of people encountering her in the late 20s performing on the theremin and also touring the country with Paul Robeson. And I mean, the ultimate essence of progressiveness and um, beautiful, just new ideas and perspective. And it's still tragic in a way that um, despite all this promise at that time, then the theremin and its creative development, you know, with Clara then not really playing anymore and Leon Theremin leaving New York, that then the development kind of, um, you know, stopped um, and took a break for several decades until till recently it's been rediscovered. And Clara Rockmore's case also just proves that it always takes an artist to put um, a new innovation, you know, breathe, to breathe life into it and to kind of take it to the next level so people can really be exposed and fall in love with it. Somehow people assume it is an inclusive, secret society like the Freemasons. It's, it's the idea. Is, <laughs> the idea is really to, to offer inclusivity and to just kind of create a social platform to promote, you know, using the theremin in 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 different disciplines and inform people about it and and offer access to concerts and learning and building um, the instruments. And it's really tremendous how the interest has grown uh, in people wanting to know more about the theremin. So it's, it's wonderful to see. So yeah, we do offer worldwide 
right? You know, um, theremin classes for children and um, and grown-ups, and like the workshop yesterday, building theremins. And then a lot of times we help consult, you know, when there's a, a dance production in Paris, working with tapsy tones or a lot of a lot of artists, a lot of this. Diff- disciplines theater and and so forth they're they're starting to they want to use experiments and uh, a lot of people just don't know the full range of what you can do with it so we're trying to help inform and help find the right players we know you know it's a network of people you can be a member of the theremin society enthusiast, so it's, it's open I think um, things have really changed in the last few years dramatically because um, we have more and more good, um, you know, thereminists. We have more and more musician artists working with thereminists on in, in on visible platforms for people to see and um, people really starting to find their own sound with this instrument, meaning there's more confidence about how to use it and not just using it in the classical, strict, melodic way to prove that it is a real instrument. We're like beyond that now. I think there still needs to be more. The theremin still should be more present in popular music. Um, there's not much repertoire still, or not enough repertoire still for theremin, and and we still need more players. But um, in the last ten years, it's it's been growing tremendously. Um, it's it's just wonderful to see. It's a huge difference. And um, yeah, the record you know makes a case for people just having fun and being inspired. It's important for me to say that some of these musicians on the compilations are professional feminists, musicians, and some of them are not. That was also in the spirit of just being inclusive, allowing, you know, different approaches because there's no right or wrong. Um, It's just being creative with the instrument. What about the next, the new generation um, making electronic, making electric music and somehow working with the theremin and, you know, the the sound is produced uh, by not touching anything anything and 
interacting with this interface and all the kids of today are so used to the same principle of iPads of of uh, pressing buttons and, and interacting interfaces and there they use their own body and it's a it's a very primal phenomena of motion to sound basically I just uh, started to work with kids and created a curriculum of what I wished I would have had when I was um, four or five. And we're using um, the Theraminis, the Moog Theraminis, because they have presets. So you can go on those presets and they filter out the, the notes that are not in the scale that you can set. And with, with that quality of the instrument, you know, we're setting up 10 Theraminis in a circle and we have 10 four-year-olds playing in perfect tune along to a Kraftwerk or Brian Eno song. And my heart is jumping every time that happens. So they're familiarized with this vocabulary. It's the most normal thing for them. The theremin is so much fun because it's this open, you know, um, it's it's fun, it's silly. And they, they're usually more creative in exploring the instrument than a lot of grown-ups that try for the first time so I usually learn as much as hopefully the kids do as well so it um, yeah it makes perfect sense to to just kind of work with the vocabulary of electronic music and and see what what people will do when they already are familiar with it at early age we'll find out it's super exciting it was important for me to kind of just put more focus and, and draw electric analog sounds into the established, you know, fields of music education. I thought that's like a very healthy thing that just needs to be more present to, in general, elevate the status of that genre. We know that um, the instrument, the theremin, was um, mentioned in public for the first time in the beginning of the year 1920. It seems like a good momentum to, to really point attention and sell to the instrument and celebrate the centennial and see where it's come to from, from there to here. When we had this shout out this call about um, let's celebrate the centennial of the theremin but let's go beyond just organizing events in all the nests of enthusiasts across the planet let's let's try to create something that has a um, longer lasting effect let's just see what are people doing with the instrument this very moment and it was a complete surprise for everyone who even knew a lot of, um, you know, I thought we all know each other because it's still a small community, but um, I got responses from literally all over the planet uh, of submissions. And the big surprise was the versatility of all kinds of styles and explorations that people all over this world were undertaking with this instrument. It had all inspired them in different ways to kind of assemble that and put that together and listen to that it's just really it's it's fascinating and it's charming and interesting and uh, just gives a real snapshot of um, how the instrument you know has developed
well actually um you know a lot of people did not make it on the compilation and it was a really we could make a second edition um and maybe not wait for another hundred years i don't know but the tracks were really assembled and curated to kind of demonstrate and show what you observed which is you know using the theremin in different interesting musical ways and to really show the wide spectrum that was really really wanted to make a case for that international, the global farming communities um, are planning events and, and seem to support each other within that. And of course, the New York Farming Society as well is trying to do or has some very exciting projects um, this year. We're starting off with the record release on February 8th at the Ambient Church in uh, Brooklyn, in New York. And it will be nice because um, there will be a, a beautiful thread on that specific evening from, from where it started to where it could be. Um, we're starting with um, the French um, feminist um, Grégoire Blanc, who I think is one of the best classical composers. He's got track number three on the on the CD. He will play Clara Rockmore um, repertoire with a pianist, and his playing is really impeccable. And he makes his US debut. He's never performed in the States before. And then I, um, I have the honor to premiere um, a piece by Laurie Spiegel. Um, she wrote a beautiful composition for theremin and piano that's never been, it's only been played once in Paris before. I will perform that um, with a pianist and then do some uh, of uh, soundtrack work that I've done. The theremin, I think these days, lends itself very much to um, soundtrack scores. I think there was an Oscar-nominated movie that had theremin in its score that we were very excited about this um, last Oscars. But so um, playing some of the uh, theremin score I composed for a remake of M. And then then we kind of point towards the future and we will have a six-piece theremin ensemble presenting works. And that is an ultimate challenge. If you put a couple of theremins together, they usually interact from a technical component not to even talk about that how hard it is to hear yourself when you have another theremin player standing next to you sounding similar it's kind of like being uh, everything is very warped it's kind of like being an asset so we so at the end we point towards future potential and ways to go by experimenting with the presentation of a theremin orchestra Herb Deutsch, um, who, as I'm sure you know, is credited together with Bob Moog for the invention of um, the synthesizer. He is also represented on the Theremin record with a beautiful composition for Theremin that he, he wrote. He celebrates his 88th birthday the, the following day, so it will be a beautiful evening. The theremin really is one of the few instruments that allows you to find your own voice of expression because it is still in the gray zone of 
what it's supposed to really sound like. I, I personally think it still has not found its true voice. It's a very young instrument. It might still take a few decades to kind of find its next big splash, distinctive color that everyone will associate the theremin with. Gotta wait a little bit for that. And I don't know what it might be, but um, we'll see. This has been an independent production produced by Amy S. and Chris Williams. Check us out at sonosphere.podcast.com. Subscribe on iTunes and check us out on SoundCloud. Thanks for listening.